Uh, let's get, the, get our Bibles out and go to the book of John, chapter 18. John, chapter 18. And let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity we have now to study your word. We ask you and we look to you for direction, for instruction, for helping us in the areas of truth and error. And Lord, we want to see clearly all that you would uh, have us to know. And thank you for your help. We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been in a series uh, over a little while. This will be the sixth part in this series called True or False. And so I want to encourage you just to, uh, again, look to the Lord with me and expect Him to, to talk to us today. It's not just about what I know. I, I believe our services are supernatural and things uh, can happen beyond um, what I'm aware of because there's things going on in your life that I'm not aware of for the most part, you know. And uh, I know now and then people come in and uh, they come in with a friend and they leave angry at the friend because they think their friend told me about what was happening in their life, reports of that. But I want to assure you, no one told me anything. And if, if I say some things that seem to be all about your life and your business, I want you to see that as the Lord loves you and that He wants to help you and wants to encourage you and take you up from where you're at. And, and, so, and so listen to Him. Listen for something beyond what I'm, uh, you know, just my, I'm just a human being. Just listen, listen for something beyond me and, and let the Lord minister to you today. And I, I believe that uh, it'll benefit all of us, okay? Now, now let's read in, in John 18. Jesus was standing trial. Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. Uh, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Uh, I lost my place. But, but my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? What is truth? These are, these are, this is one of the questions that, that we've been answering in this series. What is truth? Because it's vital for us in our day and time to know the difference between what's true and what's false, what's right and what is wrong. And many people have blended everything together. And they just kind of call all opinions, all beliefs, all ideas, well, they're all just of equal value because you never really know what's true. I mean, and some people will say, uh, without objection, oh, that you can't really know what's right until you die. You can't really know what God's about until you die. Th that's just an ignorant person speaking, okay? We can be knowledgeable of things beyond what we see. And we've explained to you some of this in detail already in this series uh, about the basis and foundation for knowing truth. I'll remind you again of John 17 and verse 17. Jesus prayed to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so the, the word of God is our basis and foundation. And I don't want to recover all the things that we have already. Uh, today but it's our foundation for knowing what's right and what's wrong and what's what's true and what is false uh, Acts chapter 8 is where, next place I want to look today Acts chapter 8 again we have got to be knowledgeable of truth knowledgeable 
of the ways of the Lord and what is right concerning God, concerning our lives, concerning how we are to live and, and have a good reason for, for, for believing these things. In this passage, uh, without reading the whole story, the Bible talks to us about a guy named Philip. Philip was an evangelist and, and the Lord told him to go join himself to this guy who was sitting in a chariot, the eunuch from, from Ethiopia, who was sitting in this chariot who was reading the Old Testament, reading from Isaiah. And uh, uh, let, let's go ahead and read there in verse 30, Acts 8:30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guide me? Someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And he was reading, of course, the place. And it goes on to say what he was reading. And Philip went on from that very place in the Scripture, shared Jesus with him. The guy was saved. They found some water. He got baptized. And Philip disappeared. He was caught away and found in another city. A really great, great uh, evangelism story right there. Uh, amen. This, don't you love it when that happens to you? Praise God. Uh, <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? Sweet. <laughs> uh, but here, here, here's the point I really wanted to bring out. Notice what, what that person said to Philip uh, when he asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, No, I don't. He said, How in the world can I understand unless someone explain it to me? That is the process in which God gets truth into our lives. How? Another person explains it to us. It's not that God just shows up at people's house and if they say, God, I want to know you. I want to get my life right. I want to know about eternal things. And so they hear a knock on their door and there's the Lord. And he's going to then tell them. Or, it's, or, or, or an angel. An angel, hey, sent from the throne of God. And you wanted to uh, know about this. So I'm going to explain to you the gospel. I'm going to explain. How I many know that's not the way it works? The way it works is the Great Commission is what we call it. Matthew 28, Mark 16. Jesus said to believers, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. In other words, that assignment has been given to us. It's been given to human beings, not to angels, not God doesn't just do it himself. It's not one of these things where if I do it, great, but if I don't do it, that's fine because God will do it. If I drop the ball, the ball is dropped. God's not going to come pick it up and take care, of the, take care of business for me. He has given that assignment to us. So if the guy reading Isaiah reads and thinks, what in the world is this talking about? If And then because he's seeking God, God loves that. He wanted a relationship with him. So God spoke to Philip. But if Philip thought, you know what, I'm not really into chariots or, or whatever. I, I don't really want to do this. How many know the guy's stuck? I'm not saying that maybe, you know, if he kept seeking God, maybe God would deal with someone else. But Unless someone comes to explain it to him, he's not going to understand. That is the system that God set up. One person explains to another person. You, there are people in our city that they've got problems. They've got issues. And some, man, they, they want help. And they're calling after God. 
and I mean, he's drawing them. It's the only reason they are. But uh, they're looking to the Lord. And some have prayed to understand him and know him. How does God respond to that? Well, all of a sudden, you're working next to him. All of a sudden, you know, you get a new neighbor. All of a sudden, you, whatever, you have a connection with someone for whatever reason, and you are placed in their life, or they are placed in your life, so that you can explain to them what they've been asking God about. That's the way that God answers these prayers. That's the way that He gives us understanding. All right? Now, that's good. That's great. Here's the problem, though. Because that's, again, that's a good thing. And, and giddy up, you know, we've got to be speaking. We've got to be using our, our, the knowledge that we have of God and, and talking. How many understand the world is doing a lot of talking? Those who don't know the truth, they're yelping. I mean, they're screaming loud and they're making their opinions known and they're not true. And so those who do know the Lord and know the words that He has spoken, we've got to be speaking up. Come on now. I mean, here's, the, here's, the, here's the problem with this that this also creates. Um, th- th- that is this. The enemy also, who, Satan who we discussed earlier, is the deceiver. It's the same way that he works. He wants you to believe a lie. And so he's going to send somebody across your path to endeavor to deceive and get you away from truth. And from an external viewpoint, they look the same. One person speaking truth and another person speaking error and speaking things that are false. And so we have got to get to a place where we know the difference. Because if we don't, that's when we become gullible, susceptible to falling for lies and eventually leaving uh, the relationship with God that we have. Look at Second Timothy chapter three with me. Second Timothy, it's a right turn. If you found Hebrews, step on the brakes and back up. Second Timothy, chapter three. So when it comes to truth, there is a spiritual component, which is God, which is the Spirit of God, which is the anointing. There is a natural vehicle, which is you and me, all right? When, when, it, when it comes to error, the same thing is true. There is the devil. He is the deceiver, but he uses people to promote lies. And this is where it becomes a challenge when you and I, full of God's love and full of God's grace and mercy, want to receive people. But yet at the same time, sometimes we have to reject people. If if that's where they're coming from, we definitely have to reject some things that they're saying. And some people, when they become too antagonistic, you have to separate yourself from them. Because they are really working for the other side. It doesn't mean we don't love them and won't receive them the moment they come. But we have got to be wise and discerning concerning the difference okay second timothy 3 verse 1 says but know this that in the last days perilous times will come this is descriptive of our time and our day it's going to be tough man it's going to be rough say you think things are going to get all going to get better though before the lord comes and everyone's going to be righteous and serving the lord and 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 you know hollywood's going to be all great and cleaned up and the politics and government they're all going to be doing right and no 
No. Now, I really believe this. The church is going to get stronger. Church is going to get better that we're going to increase. And you don't have to have perilous times, per se, in your life. The Lord can help you and protect you and provide for you. But there are those in the world that are going to get worse and worse. It's not going to get better. Don't expect everything to be clean. Well, if we can get the right politicians in office, well, that, that, that might help to some degree, but it's not going to make the world perfect. All right? Not going to make our country perfect. It's, uh, uh, things are going to get worse. We should be prepared for that. Look at verse 13. He said, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so there are those who are deceived and they're going to continue in their deceptive ways. And that's why we're talking about this because this is people. Sometimes they had a real big smile on. And they want to clean your clock. And they want to deceive you. They want to pull you away from truth. Oftentimes it's because they themselves are deceived. And so we just must be knowledgeable lest that... Uh, error corrupt our own thinking and our own minds look at first john chapter 2 you see in the in the early church the apostles constantly were battling for truth they were constantly dispelling lies and falsehoods that were being proclaimed through various people and sometimes they had to call them down sometimes they had to make mention of them and they were always dealing with You've heard this, and these kind of situations are happening, but this is the truth. And they were combating falsehoods and lies with the truth. In fact, 1 John 2 and verse 6, 1 John 2 verse 26, 26, uh, says, John wrote here, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. He wrote them a letter Because of some other people. He said, I've wrote this to you because of these other people. They are trying to deceive you. And I want you to know their error. I want you to know what's true. I want you to know that they're wrong. Obviously, it mattered to him that they be right. Obviously, John didn't think, oh, well, everybody's right. You know, I mean, who am I to say that one person's wrong? No, he said very dogmatically and very plainly and very clearly There's some people out there, and they're saying some wrong things, and I'm writing you a letter so you won't fall for it. I'm writing you a letter to keep you out of that error. When people live and believe error, it hurts them. It brings destruction. And that's why God's using us in these days to be a standard of truth and to raise up a standard uh, so that people will no longer uh, continue to fall for the the schemes of the enemy. Look at chapter 4 here, 1 John 4 and verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we are instructed to test the spirits. When someone says, Yea, thus saith the Lord, I'm a speaking by the Spirit of God, I'm a prophet of God. He said, You test it. You make sure it's right because I know you know this. There are a lot of false ones out there. There's a lot of wrong things. There are a lot of wrong teaching, a lot of false prophets. He said another place there are many antichrists. There are many that are anti-Christ. They're, they're proclaiming the ways that are opposite of what the Lord would have for us. And this is what we need to be aware of. Okay. Now, I want to ask you a question. And this is one of these questions that you're supposed to answer silently. 
in your own mind. All right? Okay? Answer silently. All right. Here we go. The question is this. Should Christians judge? Ought Christians to be judges? Did someone answer? I'm going to expose you. Should Christians be judges? Are we to judge? Now, if you answered in your mind quietly or wrote it down, you didn't write it down, you don't want to commit to it. <laughs> if, if you answered in your mind, yes, or if you answered in your mind, no, then you could either be right or wrong. <laughs> All right, let me just answer the question for you. Should Christians judge? <laughs> what is he going to say? The answer is yes. And the answer is no. That's safe, isn't it? All right, you are all right, no matter what side you took. The answer is, yes, we should judge. And the answer is, no, we shouldn't judge. Let's look, look at Matthew chapter 7 and see where we get this and get a, a good, balanced, biblical understanding of this subject. You probably see where I'm going with this series and what we're talking about and how in essence, we are talking about judging. But yet, Jesus said, don't do it. And what are we going to do with that? All right, we all messed up here, or, or what? Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2, For with, the, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you now this is one of the most commonly quoted scriptures in our day statistically those who've done studies this is where it used to be like john three sixteen. everyone knew that now everybody knows this so is that good or bad well it's in some sense it's bad how many understand the devil quotes scriptures he did with jesus but what does he do he twists them he takes them out of context. He quotes them, but people come away with the wrong idea. And oftentimes today when you hear this verse quoted, it's twisted. It's presented out of context, and it's presented in a way to get you to shut up. It's presented in a way to stop Christians from having a standard of truth and from casting any opinion about any kind of moral behavior. And this has done great damage to the church. At the same time, should we avoid this? Absolutely not. This is, these are the words of the Master. We highly treasure Him and value Him, but we've got to understand Him. We've got to know what He's talking about. Are we to judge or are we not to judge? Yes. But we've got to define what that really means. Okay. In this scripture here, this is interesting, might help you to, to know this. Uh, the, the Greek word here translated judge is the word krino, starts with a K, all right? And it includes both the examination of evidence 
and the pronouncement of a judgment. All right. The, the, the Strong's Concordance, it says about this, it says to try, to condemn, and punish. When Jesus said, judge not, that's what he meant. To not only look at it and examine it, to try it, but also to condemn and punish. That's what he said, don't do. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others. And how many understand, as believers, we should be so far away from judging like that. Where people come into our midst and we look at them with a, you know, little judgmental look on our face. And we're questioning everything. We're quick to condemn and put down. How can you do that? How can you act that way? And, you know, I would never do something like that. And how many know that's a bad stinking attitude? And Jesus said, if you do that, it's coming back to you, man. And how many understand that we're not qualified really to judge other people in that, in that sense? I don't know your heart, your motive. I don't know what you've been through, why you're doing what you're doing. I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't have a full understanding. I'm not qualified to be your judge in that regard. And that's why Jesus said, don't you do it. Don't you act that way. Don't you judge others. But look at the kind of person he's talking about. Instead of just putting a blanket, broad brush over everyone, don't judge, don't ever, and where, where people take it, don't ever have an opinion about anything. Don't ever call anything wrong. And they've blanketed everything with that, with that broad brush. Let's look specifically at what he's talking about when he said, don't judge. Let's look at verse two, verse 3. Thank God Jesus didn't stop with verse 2. He said, and, and, conjunction word, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but do not see the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This person that Jesus is referencing here, who is the judge, who is judging, is a hypocritical person. He, this is someone who has ser- serious spiritual problems, all right? They, they recognize the faults and the failures in others, uh, but refuse to acknowledge anything wrong with their own self, which is far worse than what they're seeing in, other person, in another person anyway, Those who are judgmental always look for and find faults in others and render a predetermined guilty verdict, all right? This person also loves to broadcast their findings to others. They want to let everybody else know, you know what they did, you know what they're involved with, and this is the kind of judging that is very immature, that is very carnal, and it's something that we should stay far, far away from. Uh... Um, we do not have the right as believers to be judging each other from a hypocritical and self-righteous motivation, really just to discover people's faults and condemn them. That's not our place. Again, we don't see accurately. We're not in a position to do that. But does that mean we are not to judge at all? It doesn't mean that. It means that we are not to judge in this way. And just to tell you up front, and I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 2 as well, But we should not judge in the sense of criticizing and condemning others. But we should judge 
in the sense of discerning, examining, and testing all things that pertain to the soundness of our own spiritual life. This is where not only can we, we're obligated to do it. We must be good judges in that regard. And this is where 1 Corinthians chapter 2 speaks to this issue. You got it already? Man, you're quick and sharp. I judge you. (laughs) Quick and sharp. (laughs) Spiritual. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 15, 2.15 says, But he who is spiritual judges all things. What does he do? Judges. How many things? All. A spiritual person judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. He judges everything. So I've got a problem here. Am I supposed to judge or am I not supposed to judge? Yes. I'm supposed to judge and I'm supposed to not judge. But this is, this is interesting. This word's a little bit different. The word translated judge here from the Greek. And it means to scrutinize. Uh, it means to investigate, interrogate. It means to determine. All right. It's translated uh, in, in other ways. That word is translated ask, question, discern, examine, judge, and search. So when the Bible says that this person judges all things, it, he's not passing judgments. He's not criticizing and condemning, but he is accurately looking at everything. He's searching things out. He looks to understand and seeks to have knowledge first and foremost for his own spiritual well-being. Why? why? Because if something's wrong, if something's error, if I can see that something's false, I don't want it in me. I don't want to partake of it, so I've got to judge before I can make that decision. As opposed to the person who just swallows everything. Or the person who just resists everything. Either of those is is very carnal. Either of those is something that that we very much need to stay away from. Um, uh, We don't want to just swallow everything. We don't want to just avoid everything. This person is looking for truth. He wants to know, again, what's sound in order to rejoice. If it's true, I want it. This is is the way the Lord is helping us. If you are seeking after Him, I tell you what, He's going to respond to you. He really is. He's going to respond to you with truth so that you can walk in a greater degree of freedom. However, when that truth comes, it's, like I said before, it's going to come in a package. And it's it's coming through some person. And if you look at that person, you don't necessarily know from an external visual point of view that that person is speaking the words of God. You don't know just because I'm standing here today, what, just from an outward perspective, because I have a position or a title or, or something like that, or if you know me personally, that doesn't mean that, I'm tr- that what I'm saying is right. I could be the nicest guy around and deceiving you. I mean, know some of those people. I've met some. Man, they're shysters, but yet nice. Huh? And so I can't just look from the, at the outside. You can't just look at me and just, well, I, I trust him. Well, I appreciate that. You should trust me if you know me because I'm trustworthy. However, another thing that should be in play here every time we get together is you should be judging what I'm saying. What do I mean by that? 
See, I, I don't want to be a judge. Yes, you do. You're obligated to be a judge. The Lord requires that you be a judge. What does that mean? That you're examining. You're studying. You're searching. You're scrutinizing. I don't mean with a bad attitude. See, someone they hear, someone they hear this, they think, yeah, that's what I've been wanting to do. And, uh, and, and, and what they do is they slip over into Matthew 7 again. And they become critical and condemning and, and they, they start speaking of things they don't know. And listen, just wisdom, if you don't know about something, shut up. Can I say that nice? Zip it. It's, it's wisdom because otherwise we end up making ourselves look like a fool when we find out we've been speaking without knowledge. Okay, so if you don't know, hold off. But I don't want to, get here again, get into either one of these ditches where I don't receive anything or if I hear something that's different or new or contrary to the way I've always thought or the way I've been raised or anything like that where I just oh no I can't receive that's just not right well you're immature right nor do I want to be in the position where I just swallow everything I don't examine I don't search I don't judge anything I just bring it in I just accept everything Woo! it's just all good and you're gullible we got to stay out of both ditches in, in this situation, so we can become those who examine, who identify. Let's look over at uh, uh, Acts chapter 17. Acts 17. You know, I, uh, recently I was reading some different parts in the, in the Word, and uh, I was reading some chapters in the book of Romans, and and as I read, I was being edified and helped. And at the same time, I recognized while I was reading that there was more there that I should be getting. I felt like, I felt like there was more the Lord wanted me to see, and I wasn't seeing it. And I, it, it would seem to be good in my heart. I need to read this in another translation. And so I kind of set that as my uh, determined purpose that I was going to do that as soon as I had an opportunity. It had been about a week, and I hadn't done it yet. And, and I was sitting... Uh, with my brother-in-law and we were talking about the things of God we were talking about the word and ministry and different things and and in our discussion he pulls out uh, his his phone his iPhone has got you know the Bible on it and uh, and he starts reading those chapters to me out of a different translation and he'd read like two or three chapters we were just sitting there and uh, he read these to me and I was like hmm this is good but also I'm like how did he know? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he, di- he didn't know. And I told him afterward, I said, you know, I've been reading those, and I f- was prompted to study those out in another translation to get some more understanding. And so w- what's going on here? Well, I was seeking after truth and understanding, and, you know, the Lord's helping. Why? He wants us to know. He's going to, here's the reason I'm saying this now. He, he needs you and I to know truth. He's not just going to step in and say, okay, I'm just going to make you everything you want to be i'm just going to do it all for you and it's all done he's going to bring truth to us but if i don't have the proper approach to the truth or let me say it this way if i don't have the proper approach to statements and ideas and beliefs and things in general i won't know what to do with what comes to me again i could be tempted to I, you know, that's new, that's different, I, you know, I'm not going to receive that. I've, we've had that in situations here before. 
I mean, it's harmful to the person, but a person may come and maybe they have a different type of church background and maybe we do things a little bit different. And so their, their head's spinning the whole time like, what is this? And, and, and this is different from what I know. And then things are said that they've never heard before. And there have been some who say, that, that's not right. I can't receive that. I can't accept that. Well, what they missed out on was God trying to increase them. If I remain the same, I never grow. If I am never challenged with new ideas and new things from the Word of God, I never have an opportunity to grow. And so if I'm one who quickly dismisses, I'm staying the same. But yet, like I said, the other extreme is the person who just accepts everything. They get a lot of truth, but they probably also get a lot of error. And that air corrupts them, and that really messes up and keep, keeps them in bondage. This is the scripture I wanted to show you uh, in Acts 17. And this is a good model here of what I want uh, the folks in our church to be like. Uh, in verse 10, Paul and Silas went by night to Berea. Verse 11, Acts 17, 11, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness. That's a good attitude right there. How, how do we receive the word? Readiness. Not just critical, not just uh, qu- just overly hyper-questioning, uh, you know, to an extreme. They, they received it with all readiness, and, and they searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You know that word there, search? That's the same Greek word that was translated earlier in, uh, in 1 Corinthians there as judged. He who is spiritual judges all things they judged everything and paul commended them he said these guys man i've went in there preaching the word and they judged everything that almost sounds negative but he said that's a positive they what did they do they searched it out they examined it they judged it they got in it and said uh we're going to receive the word with all readiness but we're not just going to swallow yet <laughs> i was going to say we're not going to inhale <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take this, but we're going to search it out. We're going to examine it. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be judging what I'm saying right now. I love you, and I'm, I'm doing my absolute best to bring unadulterated truth without any kind of any lie or anything false whatsoever. But I realize I'm a human being. I'm never going to intentionally mislead anyone, but... You're responsible. To, just like I'm responsible and I'll stand before God for everything I teach and everything I say, we're all going to be held responsible for what we receive. And so I need to be on my toes. And if you hear something new, don't just throw it out. Examine it. And you find that it's good, you accept it and say, okay, this is the way I'm going to live my life now. This is what I'm going to live by. This is the standard. This is the truth. This is what guides me each and every day. Uh, notice again, though, uh, I know I'm going back and forth with some of these scriptures, but that where the scripture said, he who is spiritual judges all things. Notice who it's talking about there. He who is spiritual. That context is a mature person. Spiritual as opposed to a carnal, fleshly person. When a person is more carnal... They more live in the flesh. They're not good judges. They'll misjudge. They won't accurately discern truth from error. But it's when a person grows, when a person matures, they are spiritually minded that they become good at it. 
And I, I tell you what, I can tell a big difference in my life over the years at how good of judge I am. Now, you bring some stuff to me, most of the time, I don't, certainly don't know everything, but most of the time I can say, no, that's, that's weird. That's wrong. No, I, I'm not receiving that. Or, yeah, man, that's good, bring it. And sometimes it's brand new, I've never heard that, but I recognize, yeah, that's God. Yeah, that's good. I didn't see that before, but I see that now. That's truth, and I, I have a, a knowledge base to, uh, to run that through to see that doesn't contradict other scriptures. Okay? And so uh, the Lord's helping us, amen, to be good judges. Man, we're going to be one of the best judging churches around. <laughs> you need to go to that life church over there, man. They just judge you. <laughs> Again, we understand what that means, though, okay? Are we condemning? Oh, far be it from us. I mean, we want to stay as far away from that as possible and announcing punishment and judging people's hearts and motives. And No, but we're going to be able to look at things said, and sometimes even people were saying it and say, hey, this is one of those who are deceived and are deceiving because we have to recognize that. Say, what if, what if they are? We separate. We say, I'm not going to not going to allow myself to be contaminated by that but when it's truth we embrace you know first corinthians 14 20 says brethren do not be children in understanding however in malice be babes when it comes to evil stuff don't know much about that but in understanding be mature be mature let me show you one more scripture in closing here tonight uh this morning first thessalonians chapter five first Thessalonians chapter 5 you know another uh, another thing of note here let me just say this if you were to go over and read in the book of Revelation and read in the first number of chapters there there are letters to the different churches that existed in their day and Jesus himself had a message for many of those people it's interesting to note uh, that some of these groups were commended because they rightly judged those who were false. Because they judged false doctrine, they wouldn't receive it. And others were actually rebuked because they didn't do it. They let the false things come in, and they just let them exist. And I think, you know, that's something that churches are in danger of today. Because we want to be all accepting, we want to just receive everything and everybody Sometimes churches get contaminated with a bunch of baloney. And the Lord is not happy with that. He wants us to be mature, to be spiritual. And if something's wrong, we're going to call it out. We love people enough. Again, I'll repeat what I said earlier in this series. Our call is not to accept everything and everybody. Our call is to love. Love is the premier and the supreme law that governs our life. And love sometimes has to say, that's wrong. That's incorrect. Amen? All right, let's look at this as we finish up here. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. 19 says, do not quench the spirit. Well, what should we do? Don't, don't, don't quench the spirit. Why would someone be told not to quench the spirit? Because either they were or they would be tempted to quench the Spirit. Next verse, do not despise prophecies. Why, why, why would you be told that? Well, either they were or it was coming to despise. Why, why would someone despise prophecies and quench the Spirit? Sometimes it can be this. 
because prophecy again comes through people who are natural human beings uh, given to imperfection. And sometimes people have stood up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord. And the Lord wasn't, Yea, thus saying. And it was, Thus saith them. And they attached the Lord's name to it. And they said, This is what the Lord said. And it wasn't. So you, ha- you get that a few times. And then the next time someone stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord, you go, Oh, Lord, not again. <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you want to say, Man, can we just, let's just leave that whole stuff out. Let's just teach the word. And the Bible says, don't you do that, okay? There are going to be some errors. There are going to be some people who are wrong. There are going to be some things done in a wrong way. But don't you quench the Spirit. Don't you stop Him from moving. Don't you despise prophecy. What should we do? He says in the next verse, he said, test all things. Hold fast what is good. Don't quench. Test it. God's moving, the Spirit's moving. Don't stop that. Just test it. And he said, find out what's good. Find the good in there and hold on to that. Embrace it and don't let go because that truth is God speaking to you. That truth is what sets you free. People are seeking for answers and people are praying in the nighttime, Lord, help me and Lord, deliver me and Lord, give me answers. And then they show up in church and there's a move of the Spirit and there's prophecy that comes forth. And I think, ah. And so many times it was God sending a person in response to their need and their request. And because they've despised it or quenched the Spirit, They don't get set free. And so we must take this position where, yes, I'm going to examine. And if you come prophesy to me, I'm going to judge it. Not to come against you. That's just my responsibility. If I prophesy to you, if I come to you and say, Thus saith the Lord, the Spirit of God saying this to you, and it's wrong, you don't receive it. Amen. You You need to just... Examine it by the Word, of course, and, and, and let the witness of the Spirit be in your own life. But don't receive it. It doesn't matter if you like the person. I've had people that I liked say wrong things to me before. Haven't you? Do you or do you know everyone in your circle of friends is always right? <laughs> I, I mean, and I don't reject them. I don't make them not my friend anymore. You know, unless I thought they were intentionally trying to mislead me, then I'd say, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Uh, but if someone's honest and sincere, I'm going to receive them into my life, but I'm still going to judge what they say. Amen. It's not, a, it's not any criticism of me as your pastor if you judge what I say. You're actually respecting me because that's what I teach you to do. That's what I want you to do. I'm saying, telling you from the Word of God, we're told, test it all. Prove it out. Analyze it. Take a look at it. When you find that something's true, embrace it. Hold on to it. Hold tight unto that because that will make all the difference in your life. We've got to know what's true and we've got to know what is false. We've got to be very good judges in our day and know what kind of judging to be involved with and know what kind not to be involved with. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together today. I believe that you're working in all of our lives. You're helping us, causing us to grow and mature so that we can judge rightly concerning all the things that we hear and on TV and radio and in the culture around us. 
And we can speak wisely and we can speak accurately to know what things are true and what are false. What to embrace and what to leave. And we thank you that you equip us and empower us. You're teaching us so that we can know. For this we give you all the thanks. We give you all the praise and all the glory. You're doing good things in us today. Thank you for working in us now. Thank you, Lord, for every person working in them now. Father, I do pray for those who've come to church and are not saved, those who are not on their way to heaven. I pray that you touch their hearts. Pray that you draw them to yourself today. May they know you. May they experience your incredible love and your grace. Thank you for working in their lives today. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. This morning, with no one looking around, just in respect to those around you today, before we finish up this service, this is the most important time right here and right now.